morning, all. All right. Um, so for those of you who haven't met me before, I'm Nick, uh, and together with Chris, who was on keys this morning, we're the senior pastors here at Asher Vineyard. We are really grateful that you've come to spend your Sunday morning with us. Um, as Vicky said, I feel like maybe we should have like a hot tub theme most weeks. I feel like that would be a great way to finish the services each time. Um, but this morning, I want to talk to you about something very linked to baptisms, and that is decisions and how we make our decisions. So this morning, we're celebrating people who've made a decision to say, I want to follow Jesus. That's my decision. Now, those people making that decision may not feel like they've got it all together. They might really not really might feel like they know what they're doing or, you know, they don't have all their questions answered. But they are coming today to say, from this day on, I've decided that I'm walking that way. I'm walking towards Jesus. I want to know him better. I want to understand him better. And so in that context, I want to talk about how we make our decisions today. Because making a decision to follow Jesus, we think, is the best decision you can ever make. But you're not the finished product Like, even if you have made a decision to follow Jesus, there's so many things left to decide that can steer the course of your life. You know, it's not like a ticket to heaven. It's not like, oh, I've decided to follow Jesus, the end. You know, this is about how we shape our lives by the decisions that we make. So whether you're here this morning and you have decided that you want a relationship with Jesus, or whether you haven't, I'm hoping what I have to say this morning will help you, um, because we've all got decisions that are facing us at the moment. There are the big decisions, the who should I be in relationships with, what job should I do, where should I live, should we have children... There are the small decisions like what should I wear today and you know you might want to take a look at the person next to you and see if you think that was a good decision for them this morning. You may or may not want to share with them whether you think that is a good decision. (laughs) Chris has just walked in, that was brilliant timing, my dear husband has just walked in with a pair of short shorts on a winter day at that moment. It's lovely, (laughs) brilliant, you couldn't have timed that better. So yeah, we have these decisions, like what should I eat for breakfast? I don't know about you, but for me, I start deciding my next meal, like when I've just finished the one that I'm eating, like food is like a big thing for me. So like, I like to decide what I might be eating later. You know, that isn't really going to shape the course of my life, but it is a decision nonetheless. And as I've been thinking about this this week, um, I found a quote that just made me have one of those, oh moments. And you're going to see it on the screen now. This is Andy Stanley, who is like a leadership guru. He's a pastor in America. And he says this, every decision you make becomes a permanent part of your story. So the question you should be asking yourself is what story do you want to write for yourself in the long term? That's a bit scarier when it comes to decisions, right? Because if we're just making decisions and they don't have an impact on anything, then we can just do what we like all the time. But the reality is every decision you make is becoming a permanent part of your story. So the question to ask yourself is what story are you writing? Are you writing a story for your life which is full of adventure and hope and joy Or are you writing a story for your life that is based on quick-term fixes and feeling good in that moment and then feeling terrible regret afterwards? We've all felt it, right? That moment you know you've made a poor decision. 
and we've laid in bed at night thinking, that was not a good moment. How can we shape our minds and our thinking to avoid more of those in our lives? That's what I want to think about today. This isn't about a shame fest for all the poor decisions we've made in our life. Thankfully, God is infinitely gracious and he loves you whatever you do whatever decisions you've made he says to you this morning I love you I'm for you I'm coming after you I'm relentlessly pursuing you whatever decisions you've made but as a dad he's looking at you as his kids and me and saying I long for you to make decisions that shape a story which is underpinned by love and joy and hope So what we're going to do is have a little bit of a look at a passage in the Bible, which is a bit of my go-to. I think this is like a a decision-making manual, this little bit of the Bible. And it's in a book called Proverbs, um, and it's going to come up as we go through it. But we're going to have a look. Now, the bit you might know, the familiar verse, which is a go-to in my head if I have a decision to make, is this, which is, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you what path to take. That's been like a mantra in my head as I've grown up as Proverbs 3 verse 5. But what I've been doing is exploring the verses around that. And as I say, whether you're here this morning and you believe in God or not, I'd like to think there's some gems of wisdom in here about how we make our decisions. So we're going to start at verse 1 and it's going to come up here. Thanks, Mark. My child, if you truly want a long and satisfying life, never forget the things I've taught you. Follow closely every truth that I've given you. Then you will have a full rewarding life. I mean, that's not a bad start right there. Like if someone said to me, I have the formula for a long and satisfying life right here. Do you want it? I'd be like, yes. But there comes with an and. Like, do you want the formula for the long and satisfying life? Yes, I want that. Okay, well, in that case, don't forget the things that I've taught you. Follow closely every truth I've given to you, and then you will have a full rewarding life. And the original translation there is the word shalom, which we talked about a little while ago, which means completeness, prosperity, prosperity, tranquility, welfare, wholeness. This isn't just like a, a mediocre life. This is a life underpinned by wholeness, completeness, joy, amazingness, if that was a word. So I would start by saying, how are you going to not forget the things that God is saying to you? Because the reality is, if you don't intentionally try to remember them, you'll forget them. There was a study done in Harvard where they, um, they analyzed the retention of learning by students across the university. And what they found is that if a student just listened to information, when they tested them on it later, they retained 5%. This is Harvard, by the way. So these are like bright, intelligent people. If you just listened, they retained 5% for the long term. If they took notes while they were listening and they were actively engaging in the process and noting it down, their retention rate was 35%. That's a big jump. If ever there's a reason to bring a notebook to church, everyone, there it is right there. 5% if you just listen... 35% if you actually engage with the process and write down what you think, what you're hearing. But if you go back and revisit those notes, 
If you go back and read them again and look at them again, the retention rate of that information is 90% on average. That's massive, this first opening. If you're looking at this as like a, a formula for how to have a long and satisfying life full of completeness and prosperity and tranquility, right there, the trick is right at the beginning. Never forget the things I've taught you. I would ask you this morning, what decisions are you making about how to remember the things that God is showing you and teaching you? Because if you're hoping that showing up here on a Sunday morning and listening to someone like me stand with a microphone is going to be the answer, newsflash, not going to be the answer. It's not going to be the answer. You won't remember most of this. But if you spend the time thinking, writing notes, journaling, just writing your thoughts and ideas down, then suddenly what God is saying can become much more meaningful. So then we go on, hold on to loyal love and don't let go and be faithful to all you've been taught. Let your life be shaped by integrity with truth written upon your heart. Now for the decisions that you're facing at the moment and the ones that you have faced recently, if I asked you, were they shaped by integrity? I wonder how you would respond. One way to know is I've done this before. One way to know is to find out today that I've had a hidden camera in your, in your house and your car um, and I've been following everything you've been doing for the last week and I've watched every decision you've made and then I want you to imagine how you feel about that. Now, some of you are like, I've got this. I'm like, I've had such a holy week. You know, I'm brilliant. I've been so kind all the time. I've decided to do the right thing in all situations. But actually, this is a great marker for how we make decisions. Are you making them with an integrity enough that means that you would be happy for anyone to know the decisions that you're making? Whether that's in the small things like your eating habits, or whether that is in your health and well-being choices, or whether that is in your temptation to reply to that text from a work colleague who's starting to show you a little bit more attention than you know what to do with. I read a an article once about affairs and how affairs start. And I, I can't remember, it might have been Rob Parsons. There was a guy who wrote it that said that an affair starts at the moment of hesitation. That's when it starts. When you get an opportunity to respond, someone says something to you or sends you a message or they stood in front of you, the moment you hesitate, because there's that gut instinct that's like, ah, oh, that's where something starts. If you let integrity shape your decision-making, then you will make much better decisions. Let's move on to the next bit. So it says, that's how you will find favour and understanding with both God and men. You will gain the reputation of living life well. And then here's the bit that a lot of people know. It's like the most famous bit, if you like. Trust in the Lord completely and don't rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you and he will lead you in every decision you make. If you notice the words there, completely, all your heart, every decision. Whether you know him or not this morning, I would love to remind you that God is interested in every facet of your life. The big things, the small things, the in-between things. When my daughter runs up to me to show me her new hairstyle that she's watched on YouTube and she's so delighted with, that is a big deal for her. And therefore, it's a big deal for me. I want to celebrate her in that moment. 
I mean, this week, I had to design... This is going off slightly. This week, I had to actually design Maddie's hair to look like a cupcake in a cupcake case on her head to go to school. Now, this was a decision that Maddie had made, that today was the day that she wanted her hair to look like a cupcake on her head, and this is what she announced to me at breakfast. Now, do you know what? That decision, for her, is just a really small decision. But as a parent, I love her. I love to be involved in her decisions. I love to help that come to pass in her life. Completely, all your heart, every decision. Where it says, don't rely on your own opinions. The Amplified Version of the Bible describes it as, don't rely on your own insight or understanding. How often, when you're facing a decision in your life, are you going completely off what you know already? Yep, okay, I can make this decision on my own. This isn't one for God. I can just sort this one on my own. And so often in my life, it's like God acts as like a tag team device that if things are really bad, I tag him in. But like up until then, I'll sort this on my own thanks. I can rely on my own opinions, my own understanding. I've got this. And then if things get really wobbly and then they don't go as I think, I kind of tag God in. Well, that is changing in my life. That is transforming where I'm like, I don't want to do it that way round. I want to trust him with all my heart. I want to rely completely on him because he knows what's best for me. He designed every cell in my body. He loves me more than any human possibly could. He is for me. So therefore, if I want counsel and wisdom on to how to decide to live my life, surely he's the best go-to. Because he is going to support my decision-making knowing from a place of utter love for me. He's not trying to manipulate me or coerce me or persuade me to do anything. It's not for his own gains. It's not so that he can train me to be a better minion, to go about the world doing his stuff. He wants me to know how to live my life better because he absolutely adores me. And as Herbie sometimes says, I'm his favourite. It's true. I'm his favourite. I want everyone here to know that feeling of, I'm his favourite. Why would I not want to trust him completely? Okay, the next bit. Become intimate with him in whatever you do, and he will lead you wherever you go. What does that mean for you? If, if you go the other way around, he will lead you wherever you go if you become intimate with him in whatever you do. What if you switched it around and looked at it that way? What does becoming intimate with God look like? For those of us that have had absent fathers or not had dads or had just not dads that were doing their best but didn't do a great job, this is a really hard one because it's like, well, how do I know how to be intimate with a dad when my experience on the earth doesn't show me how to do that? It's about leaning in. And when we, tr when we choose to become intimate with him, whatever's going on, the decision we make in that moment shapes everything after that. For my mum, she um, lost her mum and then three months later had me and then two months later lost her husband, my dad, all within a, sp a period of a few months. Now, what she decided in that moment was to lean in and become intimate with God. Everything in her circumstances would have said, God, where's he been when you needed him? Look at what's gone on in your life. Stick two fingers up and walk away. 
but she didn't. She decided to become intimate with God in a place of utter grief and loss and pain. And the legacy of that decision is the fact I'm stood here today madly in love with Jesus. This church is part of the legacy of her decision that she made to lean in and become intimate with God when life didn't go the way that she was hoping. Are you choosing to be intimate with him in the really hard, painful stuff? Or are you holding him at arm's length? Let's move on to verse 7. Don't think for a moment that you know it all. That's the person next to you, right? That's definitely not you. Uh, For wisdom comes when you adore him with undivided devotion and avoid everything that's wrong. None of us like to think we know it all, but we actually all kind of think we do. You know, in reality, we're like, we can look at everyone around us and their decisions and we're like, have you seen what they decided? Like, terrible decision. But we never like to think it for ourselves because we know what we're doing, right? We exactly know what we're doing. But look at that. Wisdom comes when you adore him with undivided devotion. Many of my decisions I'm learning as I'm getting very old are actually quite distracting from my devotion with God. I'm learning this a bit late, I think. But actually, so many of the decisions that I seem to make, rather than be a place of undivided devotion to God, actually pull me away and pull me in another direction because I'm so easily distracted. Chris will tell you, we have a phrase in our house, I think it's from the film Up, um, where there's a dog that's got a voice box and you can hear what it's thinking, and it'll be in the middle of talking and then it'll suddenly go, squirrel! And then it will just shoot in that direction. Chris says to me regularly at home, squirrel, because like we'll be in a conversation about something and I'll be like, and then I'm off somewhere else. My attention span is very, very small. So therefore, when it comes to God, undivided devotion, I find incredibly challenging because I'll sit with my Bible and I'll be like, okay, God, I'm all yours. And then within probably 30 seconds, I'm thinking about the things I haven't done on my to-do list or whether I replied to that email or what I'm going to eat for my next meal, which generally comes further up the list of those things. But that's it. I'm so distracted. But I am passionately trying to pursue being less distracted and have more undivided devotion with God. I would invite you to, to analyse your time and how you're spending it. How much undivided devotion are you giving him? Does Netflix get more of your undivided devotion than Jesus? Again, that's the person next to you, definitely, not you. What about your undivided devotion? If you've seen on your phones now, you can get an analysis of your screen time at the end of the day. If you haven't looked at this, I would highly recommend you do. Your phones have the ability to analyse every night how much time you've spent on your screen. They tell you, if you've got an iPhone, I'm not sure what it is for Android, but we can pray for you if you have an Android. Um, You can pick it up and it tells you how many times you've picked your phone up in the whole day. It tells you how many times you've glanced and it tells you how long you've spent looking at a screen. And then if you're really interested, it breaks down exactly what you've been looking at on your screen for the day. 
Wow, it's a revelation. I can tell you the amount of times that I think, I just haven't had time to spend time speaking to God today or asking him about what I should do about that. Or I haven't really had any time to read my Bible today. And then I pick up my screen time app and it's like, oh, it turns out I had two and a half hours. Two and a half hours that I could have done that. When instead, my undivided devotion was for this tiny thing in my hand, which gets a lot of my attention. I would encourage you to stop making decisions that pull you the other way and to put your focus on how to create a bit more undivided devotion for Jesus. He's totally worth it. Next bit. Then you will find healing and refreshment your body and spirit long for. I don't know about you, I'd love to find the healing, refreshment, my body and spirit long for. I don't want to feel tired and beaten up by life. I don't want to do that. So instead, give him undivided devotion. Next bit, glorify God with all your wealth, honouring him with your very best, with every increase that comes to you. Then every dimension of your life will overflow with blessings from an uncontainable source of inner joy. Now, we love talking about money. You know, we all love talking about money. I'm sure you agree. But actually, what it's saying here is, are you glorifying God with your money? We've talked before about if I wanted to know what the priorities are in your life, if I had your bank statement, your mobile phone and your diary, I could tell you quite a lot about your life, even if I'd never, ever had a conversation with you. Because we spend our money according to our priorities. And this is where God is saying in Philippians 4.19, it says, God will meet all my needs. So if it's God's job to meet all our needs, he's saying, first of all, trust me with your money. Trust me with your provision. Then we're going to jump on to verse 21. It says, my child, never drift off course from these two goals in your life. Walk in wisdom, discover discernment. I've noticed this week something about this verse. Walking is active. You can't walk standing still. There's something really active about walking. Wisdom is not a sitting still, waiting thing. Walk in wisdom. Take wisdom with you into every situation, into every decision. Take wisdom with you. And then this, walk in wisdom, discover discernment. Discovering is a revelation thing. It's not a trying hard thing. You don't discover something by by sitting, putting loads of effort in. You discover something by exploring, by getting a revelation of something. So if you want to discern the things to do in your life and the decisions to make, then go explore. Go on adventures with God and discover the stuff that he has for you. And walk in wisdom. Don't ever forget how they empower you, for they strengthen you inside and out and inspire you to do what's right. Then you will be energized and refreshed by the healing they bring. I genuinely believe that as we devote ourselves more to God, we spend more time knowing what it is to be a son or a daughter who is loved unconditionally, know that he's for us, know that he's pursuing us, know that he's coming after us. I genuinely believe that we will be inspired to make the right decisions rather than everything having to happen up here. And we have to think too hard. I think we will be inspired to make those decisions. So Mark, if we can jump to the last slide, if that's okay. 
So these are the things that I would encourage you to do as you're making decisions, the big and the small, in this week, this month, this year, and going forward. Every decision you face, I would encourage you to ask yourself these three questions. That Andy Stanley's, by the way, I can't take credit for these. In light of my past experience, what is the wise thing to do? In light of my current circumstances, what is the wise thing to do? And finally, in light of my future hopes and dreams, that story you're writing for yourself, what is the wise thing to do? What do you want to be said of you after you're gone? What do you want to be written on your gravestone? What do you want to be said at your funeral? Oh, they lived a really nice life. They were really nice. If that's okay for you, great. But I dream of something much bigger than that. I, feel, I want people to say, she shaped culture. She changed history. She brought hope. She was loving. She was compassionate. She was kind. She took risks. She loved Jesus. What story are you writing for your life? And are the decisions you're making now feeding into that story that you want? Let's stand and we're going to pray and then we're going to go into our baptisms. I would encourage you, as you stand right now, just close your eyes if you feel comfortable doing that. And I want you to picture a decision in front of you that you have going on at the moment. It can be a big one or a small one. God, right now, we invite you into that decision. We give this few seconds of undivided devotion to you and say, speak to us about that decision. I feel particularly for people here that you are making decisions around addiction in your life, that you don't want to live that way anymore. You are deciding, I don't want to be a slave to that addiction anymore. Invite God into that moment. He's desperate to come and join you in it. Show us your wisdom. Help us to walk in it every day, the big decisions and the small. Help us to know you intimately, to lean in when it really matters. And just as we're stood with eyes closed, this is something we like to do every week, is as people have got their eyes closed around the room, if you're here this morning and you haven't made a decision to say yes to following Jesus, you don't need to be the finished article but you want today to say, I want to follow this Jesus. I want to know what God is like as a father. From this day on, I want to walk that way. If that is you, while eyes are closed around the room, I would encourage you just to raise a hand and wave at me. Um, we have a gift we would love to give you. We'd love to meet you and pray for you. So if that's you, we're just going to take a second. Um, then feel free to just wave at me. Okay, Father, we thank you so much that we get to celebrate some brilliant decisions this morning as we do these baptisms. Thank you that this is about dying to our old life and coming back to life in a new one. And may it be a life filled with celebration, risk-taking, devotion and intimacy with you. Thank you, Father. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.